middle school and high school kids were absolutely pouring themselves out for young people. And it was awesome to see because all week long, uh, we got to love on kids. We got to love on kids. And that is what the whole kingdom is about. And today, that's what we're going to be talking about um, in this sermon series. We're going to be talking about love. Uh, the key, the key verse that we've been going over for a few weeks, you guys have been hearing it from uh, all the different speakers, is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, and the New King James, it says this, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and loving favor, favor rather than silver and gold. Listen to this out of the, uh, the NASB. It says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. And favor is better than silver or gold. Now, I'm not sure that everybody thinks in terms like this often when it comes to thinking about the things of God. But in the kingdom of God, a good name and favor are highly prized pursuits. You have to get that in your heart. It is a highly, highly prized pursuit. A good name and favor. You say, is it really? I love, I love the, absolutely love the Bible. Because the Bible not only tells us what's good for us, but oftentimes gives us good examples of the totally opposite. You want to know what a bad name looks like? A bad name is found in Acts chapter 19. And there were these sons of a Jewish priest. He was a real religious guy. He was the chief priest. He was a very important titled guy. And his sons saw the power that was resting on both Jesus and the Apostle Paul. And they saw that and were like, whoa, these guys, man, they carry some. They carry a real name, spiritually speaking. They saw them casting out demons. And the demons had to obey them. So they had a really good name. And so these guys said, man, I'm getting in on the fun. And they, they see these people who are demon-possessed and they say, demon Come out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And the demon answered them. And he said this, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but I've never heard of you. Essentially, he was saying, Jesus has got a good name. Paul's got a good name. But you have a bad name. And it wasn't a good day for them because immediately the, the demon sprang on them, beat them, and took off their clothes. And they, literally, they ran out of that house naked and bleeding. So, get a good name. <laughs> get a good name. Jesus has a great name. Paul had a good name. We need a good name in the favor of God. This summer, while pastor has called our attention to a good name in youth. We've been focusing on the fog, the favor of God. We, we're doing a little series called Walking in the Fog and talking about the favor of God. And, and the primary verse, you know, as we kind of came together, we realized, I realized he's preaching the first part of the, of the verse and I'm preaching the second part of the verse and now we're kind of going to converge the two today. So a good name and favor are coming together. And so... I want you to understand that the primary verse from the series, uh, it gives us these two things as benefits from God. They are benefits from God. 
And as we examine them, you're going to say, I want those things. And you're going to understand that God himself, in the, in the shape and form of his only son, actually walked in this. Luke 2.52 says this about Jesus. He says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Now, my little pea brain has a real hard time figuring out how Jesus grew in favor with God. He was perfect. But the Bible says he did it. He grew in favor with God. And he grew in favor with man. And so Jesus, as our ultimate example and our ultimate teacher and guide and model for Christian living, we ought to ascribe to live, Luke 2.52, increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, walking out a good name and favor. Now Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 is going to be our primary text today and you can look it up. If you have a paper Bible or if you have your uh, uh, tablet like I do today, you can look it up. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 is going to be our primary verse today. And it gives us two keys that are necessary to unlock a good name and favor. Now before we read this, I just want to pray as you're turning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. Uh, for an opportunity to open your word with uh, sons and daughters. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this word today is going to produce life in me and life in us because your word, the seed of it, is eternal life. I thank you today, God, for ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. We ask now, Lord, that you would speak to us and speak clearly. We offer you the feebleness, Lord, of this message and ask for you to bring eternal change into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read Proverbs chapter 3, 3 and 4 together as we look at the two keys that are unnecessary to unlock a good name and favor. And it says this, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. I'm going to read again. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now, faithfulness, Pastor Rob covered uh, a, a few weeks back. And if you haven't heard that message, you should go online and listen to it at uh, InvernessCalvary.com. But today, we're going to look closely at the key of love. It is the key of love that unlocks a good name and favor. Now, we all talk about love, but to many people, love remains a little bit of a mystery. It's, there, there are a lot of people still trying to figure it out. And in keeping with this sermon series, I have some quotes from some more modern authors. And, and they give their own struggle in understanding love. The first one uh, today was made famous by Trinidadian German Eurodance artist Hathaway. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. 
He's struggling. And some people in our modern culture have had a less than positive experience with love. Like our next famous quote from a native from the Garden State of New Jersey. Yeah, um, that guy really confuses me because he used to be really rock and roll and now he's gone country, so his whole life is confused and it, it, he had a bad experience with love and then he turned country. Um, uh, so, um, uh, the next one I, I, I want to bring up, we absolutely will quote none of her songs, but in my research about people in their search for understanding love, I actually found out that Taylor Swift has no less than nine or ten breakup songs. <laughs> it bothered me a little bit. So I prayed about it and I got a word for Taylor. She wrote this song um, called White Horse. Some of you in here are going, oh yeah, I know that one. <laughs> I don't know it. Uh, but she wrote this bad breakup song about a white horse, and, and so I'm praying about it. I got a word for Taylor. I keep looking for love. Love is coming on a white horse. His name is Jesus. He's coming on a white horse, okay? Listen, uh, pray for Taylor Swift. Because uh, the only reason she's successful is because she's no good at relationships. I also, you know, in my, in my search for... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Did I did I come out? Um, you know, in my research of people who are confused with love, you know, I, you know, love songs inspire different images in different people. And there was this guy a few years ago named Joe Cocker. Anybody know who Joe Cocker is? Oh, yeah. You know, he sings this song. Love lifts us up where we belong. Where the eagles cry on a mountain high. Right? You remember that? Well, okay. See, I'm weird, and I think different thoughts than normal people. Everybody's going, oh, that's so sweet. See, to me, that makes love look like a hot air balloon, and somebody's riding in it, and they're going by a mountain, and there are two eagles boo-hooing because they've just read Humpty Dumpty. They're birds with eggs and egg broke. Yeah, it's, these are the jokes, people. All right. So... So we're going to look at biblical love, something that I don't want anybody to be confused about. And, uh, and, and I wrote a definition myself, and I want you to see it and meditate on it. Because biblical love will unlock a good name and favor. And love, as I see it through the scripture, is the God-inspired, spirit-driven affection that believers obediently and patiently release without strings attached. Love is the God-inspired, spirit-driven affection that believers obediently and patiently release without strings attached. You say, wow, what? that's... That's a mouthful. It's based on 1 Corinthians 13. Many of you have ever gone to a wedding. You've probably heard it over and over again. It's also based on 1 John chapter 4, Romans chapter 5. It's based on Genesis to Revelation. God is love. 
God is love. And love is God-inspired, spirit-driven affection that believers obediently and patiently release without strings attached. I want you to know this, that this kind of love in history is almost exclusively Christian. The word in the New Testament is agape. And that word is almost, in history, exclusively found in the Greek text of the New Testament. That kind of love. Now, there are other kinds of love. Phileo, brotherly love. That is the love that every human being is absolutely possible that all of us could walk in, in, in brotherly love. However, the, the kind of love that we're talking about today requires the presence of God in the life of a human being in order to operate in it. That's why it's God-inspired and Spirit-driven. Remember Galatians 5. It says, that, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? It is the, it is the byproduct, the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit of God, the person, the Holy Spirit. So it requires God's own presence. Now, the question really becomes, if biblical love unlocks good name and favor, how do I walk in it? And we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 a little closely in order to answer this question. The first thing that I want you to write down today is that it, the, the way that you walk in love is, number one, you have to possess it. You have to possess it. Notice what it says in verse 3. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. I, I just want to interject this possibility. It's possible for love to leave. Which reminds me of an, another song. You've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> we could derail this and go karaoke. Um It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. I found another scripture that would help you understand that there is the possibility of love leaving. It was found in 1 Corinthians 13, the very chapter that we quote when we're, when we're trying to define love at, at its greatest and at, at its height. And in verse 1, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. Notice the words have become. It means that you were something and you became something else. Simply put, love left. It says you were walking in love. You were releasing a clear sound. You, you weren't a clanging brass and cymbal, but you became that. Because love left. So you have to constantly possess love and go after love on a continual basis. 1 Corinthians 14.1 puts it this way, right after the great love chapter. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, it says, we have to pursue love. Anybody ever notice that when you're not thinking about being loving, when you're not meditating on being loving, 
You're not loving. Then it's just, it's not natural. doesn't come natural to us. Maybe, okay, I'm the only one here that will be honest. Sometimes it doesn't come natural. Well, I have this question. Why? Why doesn't it come natural? Because the default of fallen human nature is self. The default of fallen human nature is self. But the nature of love is others. And by the way, God is a person. The nature of love is others. So sin's origin in the garden had its roots in elevating self. Adam and Eve said yes to self. And humanity has been saying yes to self ever since. You remember that? You remember that the, 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 the serpent comes in the garden and he says, Hey, by the way, you're going to be like God. He says, you are going to be elevated even higher. Do you know one of the first things that God says about man is, I created them in my image. They already were like God. And they bought a lie about elevating self. And humanity has been buying into that lie ever since. And so we have to tap in to a heavenly nature in order to walk in love. Love has its roots in others. Love is contrary to us by nature, which is why we need God to transform us by His Spirit in order to possess love. God made the greatest commandment in the Scripture very simple uh, for us. You guys know the greatest commandments found in Matthew chapter 22, also found in the book of Deuteronomy. You guys know the greatest commandment? Not the ten. The one that governs the ten. Or the two. Jesus put them together. It says this. When quiz, Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this. That you would love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we, as humanity, could read that and go, okay, okay. Love God with everything. And after the garden, love others the way you love yourself. And all of humanity goes, oh, ooh. We get loving ourselves. Now, I know that in, in this age, there is a lot of self-hatred going on. Um, but we know how to take care of ourselves. We know what we like. We like hot showers, not cold showers. We like air conditioning in the summertime. We have some in here today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We know what we like. And we, we do love ourselves in some ways, even if we struggle with self-hatred. And I want you to know, when God gives us that example, it's not, not hard to figure out. But never forget... That your default human nature is opposite. And you have to say, I am going to make the aim of my life possessing love. It's the picture of a strong horse that is always trying to get out and run off 
but you need the horse. You, you want the horse. And so you're doing your best to keep it in. You're going after love. Now, we possess love by pursuing it. The second thing is the way that we walk in love is we prepare love. We prepare it. We prepare it. The scripture here in Proverbs chapter 3 says, Bind them around your neck and write it on the tablet of your heart. Now I wish, uh, I, I, I know that if there are teenagers here, you'll understand that. You, you know, Especially if you're like me, I have a tablet here. I wish I could type it into my notes program and simply wear it and then I would walk in love. Uh, okay, like, uh, you know, uh, well, we could go a little more Citrus County. We could get some duct tape and some poster board and just, you know, wrap it around it. And we could bind that to our neck and write it on our heart. Uh, that's not exactly uh, what that means. I want to explain to you the significance of this statement. When it says bind them around your neck, um, when you compare that with other scriptures, it, it basically is describing a beautiful, ornate display that would go around the neck, like a necklace. Uh, when scalloping uh, my brother and his wife, and uh, uh, I have some nieces that came down, and we went scalloping on Friday, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but my brother uh, is, is big into uh, scuba diving and wrecks and all of that kind of stuff, and so he actually has a, a coin that was found in um, in a wreck. And he had that coin put into a, a piece and he wears it around his neck and he all, all the time. Well, something he didn't wear Friday was sunscreen. Yeah, that's his fault. Um, and uh, I wore a shirt, okay? I'm not going out there. It looked like I just fell in the water, okay? Because I'm not getting a sunburn. And, uh, and so he, he's wearing this. And the effect of wearing it without sunscreen is that coin, it left a mark. It was bound around his neck. And the effect of having it around his neck left an impression. If you begin to prepare love, prepare to walk in love, it leaves an impression, oftentimes an unintentional one. You know, you'd be at some place and people just say, wow, there's something about you. And you're just, you know, you're just going through the line at Walmart and you're not mad like everyone else. <laughs> well, some of us are if we weren't preparing love. And we had to wait. And, you know, some of us are counting items in the person's, you know, <laughs> card in front of us. They have 21. <laughs> um, when you bind it around your neck, it leaves an impression. Oftentimes an unintentional one because you're filled with love. You're wearing it around your neck. It's who you are. It leaves an impression people can see it. It's not just an intentional thing, which we'll get to. It's oftentimes an unintentional thing because you've been preparing it. The second one, and I, I want to mention this scripture as a result of 
binding it around your neck. Matthew 5.16, we actually, it's actually on that wall. You just can't see it anymore. We, we painted over it. We had this uh, nice, there is, you can't see it, but there's a um, lighthouse over here, and there's a scripture on that wall. Matthew 5.16. It says, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It actually, people will glorify God as a byproduct of you actually just hanging the grace of love around your neck and wearing it. Now, the Jews would take this very seriously, by the way, when they saw bind it around your neck, tie it to your hand. They actually did that. They actually did that, and sometimes in... And people who really honor their Hebrew roots, you'll see them wearing uh, little symbols on their hand with Hebrew written on it. They also wear it around their neck. And it is a reminder to them to constantly be walking in the command of God. It says also, write it on the tablet of your heart. And here's the challenge for us. To make sure that our act, outward acts of compassion flow from the heart. I want everybody to go this Saturday to Hernando Elementary. But I want you to go there because you love Citrus County. And you love the people. And you love the next generation that's coming up. This is the challenge for us as believers is to not just Go through the motions. It is to say, I actually have the love of God inscribed on my heart as He promised. He said in the Old Testament, I will take out the heart of stones. I will write, I will write my commandments on their heart and I will be their God. It is not that we just do what we know to do. It is actually that our compassionate, good acts, good works flow from us at the heart level. That's the challenge. It's to make sure that we're just not uh, going through the motion. But we purposefully inscribe on our hearts the values of love and faithfulness. And make sure in doing so that our motivation is right. And I want to, I want to, you say, well, okay, how do I do those things? And it's very, very simple. Very simple. A life of devotion to God will fill your love tank. A life of devotion to God will fill your love tank. It will prepare you in love. Your private life with God will bind love to your neck and people will notice. Your private life with God will etch His love into your heart so it flows naturally and honestly. I heard Dean Neferata say it and it always echoes in my heart. The work of the church is prayer. It's devotion to God. The benefit of that is people. The benefit of that is people. The work of the church that we're called to is prayer. It's devotion to God. And the byproduct of a life of prayer and a genuine life where we bind the principles of God to our neck, where we actually etch them on our hearts. The byproduct of that is God will give you people. God will give you souls. 
God will give you eternal rewards. Your private life with God will bind love on your neck and etch His love into your heart. The last thing today, this morning, that I kind of want to lock in on, and I want you to lock in on this last one, is how do you walk in love, is simply this. You have to perform it. Love is not private, not in the kingdom. It's very public. You have to perform it. You have to choose. The scripture in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. It says you have to do it in order to win favor and a good name. We have to act. God calls us to act. Our action is motivated in the seedbed of love. But we have to act, church. We have to begin now to love greater and deeper than we ever have. And we have to show it. The world is convinced that the church is full of hypocrites. And we have to say, God, help me to honestly and genuinely, out loud, love you and love others. That's why we say, together, can you finish it? We extravagantly love Jesus. And together, we selflessly love others. That's why, that's why. And in this moment, God is saying, listen church, I want you to carry love and carry it out. Now, the word for love in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, is a word with a lot of meaning. And uh, Pastor Carl and Megan actually named their oldest this word. It's kind of got, it's one of those phlegmy words. Chesed. You know her as Kesed. This word is very, very deep in meaning. So when it says, let love, here's what it means. It means covenant loyalty. It says, let covenant loyalty And I love the word for faithfulness, which I'm not going to really go into. The word in faithfulness, for faithfulness, is aman. You you say it at the end of every prayer. Amen. So, literally, in a very literal way, not contextually, it would say, let covenant loyalty and the truth, amen. That's how it would begin. The amen, the truth, the steadfastness, the faithfulness. So this word is covenant loyalty. And then by implication, it means loving kindness, which may be in your Bible. It could be favor. But it's loving kindness and favor shown because of deep commitment. Now, in the Bible, as I was preparing for this, I, this is the one that I couldn't shake. Because I'm, I'm convinced that God wants you to know this. this. This one, I pray today that you will leave with this one. 
that you will walk out love in this biblical example. Now, there are two great biblical examples of covenant love. There's, well, there's several, but two that I'm going to highlight here today. The first one is found in the life and relationship of Jonathan and David. Some of you may, may be familiar with them and others may not. Jonathan was the, the son and rightful heir of King Saul. Under normal conditions, he would have been the second king of Israel. Saul was the first. Saul, however, did not obey God. And God took the mantle that was resting on Saul and he went and found a very, very humble, very young shepherd boy named David and anointed him to be king. Now, several years later, there's a lot of things that, that take place. But when David comes before the king and begins to speak, something happened to Jonathan It's found in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 and verse 3 and 4. Verse 1 says this, Then Jonathan and David, oh, that's verse 3. I'll read this one. It says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Verse 3 Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, we, we, we hear the word covenant, and, and you may think marriage, or you might think in legal terms, an, an agreement. But this word in Hebrew is a very, very strong word, and Hebrews would rightly understand it because they knew that God made a covenant with Abraham. But the word covenant actually literally means to cut. So when Jonathan and David made a covenant, this is what it looked like. They took an animal... And split it in half. And they laid the parts on the left and on the right. And then Jonathan walked through this dead animal. And then David would walk through it. And essentially the animal symbolized saying... If I ever turn my back on you, may I look like this animal. That's real dedication. I think we should write it into wedding ceremonies. (laughs) They're going to take communion and split an animal. No. It was a very serious moment. It meant a lot. It meant everything that Jonathan was would now be transferred to David and all that David was would be transferred to Jonathan. I want you to know this. That Jonathan 
gave himself entirely to David as a friend. He gave himself entirely to David as a friend. Here's what he said. He said, my robe, he takes it off, is your robe. And he clothes David with it. Therefore, my royal inheritance, David, is your inheritance. He said, my armor, and he takes it off. And he puts it on David, is your armor. Therefore, my defense is your defense. The sword that I carry as the son of the king, it's yours. Therefore, you can wield it with authority. He said, my bow is yours. Therefore, you can stop the enemy from a distance. He said, my belt wraps it around David. It's yours. Therefore, you can have the assurance that all my substance, the sword, the arrows, the armor, will be available to you when you need it. The belt tied everything together. I want you to notice something in this story in 1 Samuel 18. David had nothing to give Jonathan. So, you know what he gave? Himself. He gave himself. Covenant love gives generously and sacrificially with the other totally in mind. Later in the story, you find King Saul tormented over David, trying to pin him with a spear in his company. And Jonathan is protecting David, and Saul can't figure out why. He's like, why do you continue to protect David? He's going to take the kingdom that is rightfully yours. The thing that Saul didn't know is that Jonathan had already given David the kingdom. Covenant love gives generously and sacrificially with the other totally in mind. I want you to know this today. God wants us to perform it because the second great picture of covenant love is Jesus. Romans 5, 8, many of you probably know it well. It says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He performed it. Covenant love, deep commitment, totally concerned for the other. Philippians 2 gives us this great picture, and I want to read this, and I want you to understand this in light of the story of the covenant love of Jonathan and David. 
Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8 says it this way. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or another translation might say, or something to be grasped. Equality with God, something to be clung to, something to be held on to. It was actually, he says, I'm not going to use that for my own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It says, Jesus had the very nature of God, and he took that off. And he found one like David who had nothing to give, that's us, and says, I'll take that nature, and I'll give you my nature. Maybe you could understand it this way. Jesus is saying, my robe, it's your robe. Therefore, my royal inheritance and my kingdom, it's yours. He said, my armor, it's your armor. Ephesians 6, right? Therefore, my defense, it's yours. He said, my sword, it's yours. You know, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He said, you can now wield it with authority. It's yours. He says, my bow is yours. You know what the bow is symbolic of? Prayer. And you can stop the enemy at a distance. He said, my belt, Ephesians 6, my truth, it's yours. So you can have the assurance that everything I have promised to you is yes and, remember the word, amen in Christ Jesus. Jesus demonstrated covenant love and covenant loyalty to us so that we can live covenant love toward others. I want you to listen to how Isaiah describes it in chapter 61. This is after the great pronouncement of the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It's the great proclamation from Luke 4 where Jesus stands up and reads from Isaiah. And it finds it in the scroll and he says, today all of this is fulfilled in your hearing. He says, now you've entered in to this time and this age. And this is the after response of actually receiving the love of God through his Messiah. 
found in verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. It's the robe of righteousness. It is the one mentioned in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 5. It says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we in him might become the righteousness of God. He actually took our sinful garment and put on us a robe of righteousness in true demonstration of covenant love. And after all of this, Let's read Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 again. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. And I want to leave you with this statement. Before you can walk out this love, you have to receive this love. I want you to bow your heads today. I'm sure that there are certainly two groups of people in the room today. Number one, there are probably Christians who are uh, running low on love in their love tank. And the best way I know how to get that filled is just to show you how He loved you and how He loves you now. You may be running low on your love tank. I promise you the Holy Spirit will fill that up. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, it says the love of God has actually been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. There is a deep well of love waiting to be tapped. It's there, put there by His presence. If you're a son or a daughter of God, you actually have it there. God just wants us to access it. But there are others here today, there may be, that um, you can't imagine giving this kind of love because you've never received this kind of love. You've actually never let Jesus put His robe on you when you had nothing to offer Him. You feel kind of like unprepared. You're like, God, I feel like i got to get better before I would receive such a gift. No, that's not what it says. It does, the scripture doesn't say that at all. It says, for by grace you are saved. It says, unmerited, undeserved favor and love that he gave himself for you. And all you have to do today is receive it. Believe it. And receive it. If that's you here today, 
I want to give you an opportunity to receive that love. There may be someone here who you say, you don't know God. You don't know Him that way. He's not the Lord of your life, but you want to make Him the Lord of your life. You say, if He really did that for me, and He did that with no strings attached, but He offers it to you, you you should give your life to Him. You should surrender. You should surrender. I'll say it the way the Scripture God commands all men everywhere to repent. Turn to God today. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another week. Don't think about whatever is coming up. You have this moment right here in the presence of a loyal, committed God to you. If that's you here today, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me, Pastor Rogers. Please pray for me. Say, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to give him my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I've messed some things up. But today I believe that Jesus came, showed me his love. And today I'm going to confess him as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you'll do that, you'll be saved. If there's anybody here like that, I just want you to simply slip up your hand and say, Pastor Otis, please pray for me. That's me. Anybody here like that today, say, I want to make a decision to follow Christ. Anybody. Yeah, I see your hand back there. Put that down. Anybody else? How many of you feel like, you know what? God, I need your help to to unlock the favor of God on my life. I need your help to unlock a good name. Because this key of love, I'm running a little low on it, Lord. And I need your help. Guess what? God's here to help. That's you. I just want you to simply slip up your hand, too. And we're going to do this all together. I see hands going up. It's awesome. I just want to tell you something. Anybody who ever honestly came to Jesus for help got help. Heavenly Father, right now you see the hands that are lifted and the hand that was lifted before. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we confess you as Lord and King of our life because you are so devoted and so loving toward us. Right now, God, for that one that is confessing you and giving their life to you, God, right now, God... For that, for that gentleman, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come to him like a flood. As he is simply crying out, God, help me. Save me. God, for those of us who are lifting our hands and saying our love ta- tanks are, are, are drying up, God, we need your help. Lord, we say send the Holy Spirit, the very spirit and essence of love. And come and fill us again, God. We don't want to just walk through this world, Lord, angry and dry. We want to walk in this world full of love, full of faithfulness, full of the favor of God, the atmosphere of the help of heaven on our lives, God. We want to recognize you in our families, in our marriages, in our schools, in our community. Lord, we want it all, Lord, flowing naturally out of us. 
We want to possess it, God. We want to protect it, God. And we want to perform this kind of love before Citrus County and make it super hard for people to go to hell here. God, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy today. For your demonstration of love toward us. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Wow. God is good. He's filling my love tank today. And he'll fill yours today. Get into his word this week. Just allow him to bind love to your neck and write it on your heart. He's so good. He's so faithful. God bless you today. Thank you, Pastor Otis. What an awesome word. I've been challenged here today. God, fill me. Fill my love tank up so I can love people like you love people here today. Why don't you stand to your feet? And uh, I want to just uh, give you an opportunity um, to demonstrate love this week. Uh, if you would like to come, uh, as we have given an announcement over the last couple of weeks, uh, if you would like to show up there at 9 o'clock over there, Hernando Elementary, hey, this is a way, practical way to show love. Father, in Jesus' name, stamp us, Lord. May we be marked by your love today. Lord, let it start in our homes towards our spouses. Lord, our loved ones, our kids, our parents, and God, towards our neighbors, coworkers. And, Lord, towards those who don't know you, Lord, here in this county, God, mark us by your love, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Have a great week. Hope to see you tomorrow night for a prayer meeting as well.